It's kind of a weak, timid little clap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you talking about mine or yours? <laughs> no, mine. That was me. I, just, I don't know. I just thought of stop midstream. Usually your clap like breaks big eardrums. Clap, yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, welcome to <laughs> On This Hill, a podcast of Church on the Hill. Um, and we were on the hill this morning. Well, yeah, that's actually, true. this afternoon. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. We're in there. August. For those of you that are listening, yeah. we're going to be in August. Yeah, um, we uh, we started a kind of a new segment in our, our a new series, I should say, maybe in our podcast uh, that we we named uh, "When Are We?" Yeah, which is kind of an odd yeah. grammar thing, right? When are we? It should yeah. be where are we, but yeah. when are we? Why would we call it "When are we"? Yeah, good question. I was thinking about that, thinking about how um, when you're a kid and you're in a car, yeah, and you know you're just in the car and you're a little kid and you they're, no idea they're driving, space, yeah, and you yeah. fall asleep and you wake up and you say, "Where are we?" And you, you could be anywhere. You could have been asleep yeah. for an hour. You could have been asleep for five minutes. You, you're not sure. But I, I think uh, it's similar to that in, in, in asking this question of what time are we in? What are the times? Yeah. So we talk a lot about culture. What is the culture that we're living in? How has the culture changed? Mm-hmm. It's another way of talking about culture, I think, yeah. is what times are we in? Yeah. And I think in Christianity, we have a long history, too, of talking about uh, the times, and um, paying attention to deep time, long amounts of time, we look backwards in time history, quite a ways. Looking at history, yeah. As Christian, uh, as as people of faith, we look backwards towards. We we call Abraham father, father Abraham, and that's a long time ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the the crucifixion is two thousand years ago, and it's the the seminal se- seminal moment in Christian history that changes everything for us. So I think we, we have a history and uh, of repeating and looking at what, what time are we in? What is the culture saying right now? Because we're called to progress, yes, but also to hold on to some things. So time might change around us, but what does it do to, to us and our practices, our faith, our Christian practices? Yeah, and I think just even the, uh, the examination of history or maybe mm-hmm. learning from history, studying history is such a valuable exercise. You know, the old adage, yeah. people who forget history are bound to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think in the last century was that no, there was no century where that was more evident than yeah. in the last century. Two mm-hmm. world wars, multiple skirmishes, um, all kinds of revolutions all over the world, yeah. and and uh, right, left and right and so forth. And some mm-hmm. have endured and some have not. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, that's always been fascinating to me about mm-hmm. people who can look back. If you were to look back carefully, you can see a clear pattern of failure and yet still think, but that was then and this is now, and we're different. Yeah. It's, it's going to be different for me. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, it, the principles take it in a yeah. direction that it's bound to go. Yeah, we were kind of talking a little bit about that earlier, about, I don't know, d- new generations that want to experiment with something they've never tried before. Right. But it has been no, tried. It has been tried. They just haven't tried it before, and they're convinced, like, oh, no, we, we, we know how to do this. We're going to do this right. We're not going to run into the same problems as the past, but that's, uh, that, that's not necessarily true. Isn't it fascinating, like yeah. in the last couple of years, uh, the, the kind of the rallying cry is, is go to the science. What yeah. does science say? And science can be a lot of things, obviously, and it's not that we're not anti-science by any stretch, mm-hmm. but science, one of the things science does is it tracks data. And so there are things that science has tracked and sort of obvious that, mm-hmm. hey, that 
particular yeah. idea doesn't work, doesn't work yeah. or doesn't produce good good fruit. Uh, a good case in point, maybe we can throw this grenade out there, is uh, the whole idea of legalizing the drug trade. Yeah. Uh, a fascinating article in the New York Times just this week yeah. about, so how's that experiment? I mean, Portland, we made the front page, yeah, folks, we sure uh, of the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea was, is that city that experimented with this idea of legalizing drugs. And and people on the ground in Portland were yeah. were interviewed, and, and some were very adamantly against it. Um, and most of those were people that have to live with it on the street in the sense of shop owners, business yeah. owners, law enforcement, family members. But then there was a whole other group of people that said, we haven't given it enough time, and it hasn't been enough resources. So mm-hmm. somewhere around $340 million in the yeah. last year has been spent on trying to get people into treatment and so forth. And we're not here to debate all that. But the point is, is like, well, how much data mm-hmm. do you need? How much, how much science do you, do you need to look at this before you say it's time to either, A, pull the plug or yeah. admit that maybe parts of this are never going to work. They're, they're yeah. contrary to human nature. Yeah, I know um, just recently the, the mayor of Portland said, well, we're going to make uh, the use of drugs in public illegal. Yeah, they're going to try to fine it or criminalize yeah, so it to it's, some you, degree. Well, you, it's still not illegal to do drugs, but it's illegal to do drugs in, in public is my understanding. Maybe I have a simplistic view of it. Um, but I don't think the problem with people's addictions are that it's illegal or legal. Right. It, it's not a legal or illegal problem. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a chemical problem. It's a it's a biological problem. It's a spiritual problem. Right. But it's not really. It, it was the problem was it was illegal. But if we'll just make it legal, then everything will be all right. That's just not prove proven to be true. So yeah, there's a there's a great example of you know the times we're in the things that we've tried yeah. in the past that maybe we need to pay attention to. Um, I know when I talk to people, often I'll I'll ask them just their age. Because I think our, our, the times, like the personal times that we're in, have assignments too. Like if someone's in their 20s mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do with their life, I'm like, well, I don't know if you're supposed to exactly know what you're going to do with your life right now. Sure. So why don't, why don't you try a little bit of everything? Why don't you serve here and serve there and, and you know, l- learn from people who do know what they're supposed to do with their life. Like attach yourself to someone with a great mission in life yeah. and go serve them for a while and, and see what that looks like. You'll know soon whether that's what you're supposed to do or not after doing it. You know, that's a great thing to do in your 20s. There's another thing to do in your 30s, another thing to do in your 40s. And so I think there, it's worth talking about the times we live in and the time of life that I'm in as yeah. well. Because the, the times that we live in, I don't really have a whole lot to do with. I don't get to choose the times, that, the culture that, yeah. we're, that we're in. This is the culture we're in. Whether I like it or not, this is the culture and the time that yeah. I'm and in. And the results, are some of it are still out there somewhere in the future. Yeah, yeah but then there's, there's the, my personal time and where I am in my life and what I should be doing in the assignment that God has given me at this time of my life. Isn't it interesting that in the Old Testament, for example, in the book of Jeremiah, when the people of God found themselves in a mess, they found themselves right. uh, in captivity, occupied by a foreign army, uh, yeah. freedoms taken away, slavery, oppression, everything. And what does God tell the prophet to tell the people? Stand at the crossroads and ask for the ancient path. Not ask for the new thing or the cutting edge thing. God says, go back to ancient paths. Yeah. He said, because in that you're going to find your, your salvation. And so there's something about the God of... Uh, and of course, the God that, that we believe in, the, the God of Christianity is this 
is this beginning now and, and forevermore is this God who lives outside of time. And so he sees history and he sees the, the arc of history from a yeah. totally different perspective. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting what you're just saying. I'm just thinking about it. Seek for the ancient past. Because I think we, we're very enamored with the new. Yeah. Yeah, anything old is, seems to be suspect. Yeah, everything old is suspect. Everything new is shiny and pretty and going to solve everything. Yeah, artificial intelligence is here and it's going to solve a lot of our problems. Yeah. And pretty soon we won't even have to work because AI will be doing it for us. Mm-hmm. And we'll go to a, a, a post-work economy, yeah. you know, a, a utopia of the future. And um, But those things, they they're actually... They've been tried before. We're going to build something that's going to rule over us, right. or something smarter than us. Yeah. I mean, that's it's it's interesting when you talk about. I don't, I don't know how I got on AI, and I apologize if we don't need to be on this rabbit trail. But um, just that idea, because the more I hear people talk about artificial intelligence, the more it sounds like God talk and theology talk. Matter of fact, some of them are even saying we're building a God. Right. We're we're making a God. Yeah. And, and repository yet, of all knowledge and understanding. Yeah, and yet they are not interested in looking at thousands of years of theological history and thinking on this matter, where, where wise people have put a lot of thought into God and gods and what it means to serve a god. Yeah. Um, but no, we're just, no, we don't need any of that. We're in a brave new world. There's going to be a revolution. Um, but I don't know how new it is. But isn't it interesting? Back to the the, the rant, a little bit of mini rant on science. Again, I love science. I believe in science. I believe in in research and technology and all those kinds of things that have made our lives wonderful. But science isn't infallible. Science right. should not get a free pass. Mm-hmm. Science gave us uh, amazing cures for diseases and has given us technology that has made our lives better, more efficient, more effective, relieve suffering. Yeah. But science also has made. A few missteps. As- asbestos is a, is a, is a bit of a misstep, isn't it? I mean, now <laughs> it who- was the wonder material that was going to yeah, solve a lot. It of was going to solve a lot of our problems. And in yeah. fact, the odd thing is, that it actually had some qualities as far as insulation and sound and so on that yeah. that bettered our lives. But mm-hmm. later on, they discovered, oh, who would have known that it's uh, yeah. carcinogenic? It's, it's cancer causing. Yeah, plastics were amazing, and uh, like we got to stop cutting down these trees for paper bags. We're going to move to plastics. Yeah. And now, if you ask for plastic, like no, you can't even yeah, buy plastic. You're killing here. the ocean. Yeah. They're, there's yeah. microplastics yeah. and everything. It's yeah. in your bloodstream. So lead. Lead was in pipes. Lead yeah. was in makeup. Lead was in all mm. kinds of things. Lead was in food, and everybody thought yeah. it was the miracle chemical that yeah. would, would make, and they realized later, actually, it's, it's toxic. So point is, is that um, sometimes, you know, this is where I love this passage of Scripture in Ecclesiastes, where the writer said, the end is better than the beginning. Mm. You think, well, that's kind of weird. The beginning is where all the energy is. The beginning is where all the vision is. The beginning is where all the excitement, cutting mm-hmm. edges. But actually, if you think about what he said, it's really true. Yeah. The end is better than the beginning because the end reveals wisdom that the beginning conceals. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. In the end, I realized, you know what? That wasn't as great of an idea as everybody said it was. But yeah. I didn't know it when I started because I was excited or there was, again, emotion or whatever. Yeah. But the end is better than the beginning because it reveals mm. what is concealed in, in the beginning. There's wisdom. You know, going back just one step uh, to science, I've been reading a lot recently about um, the issues within science and falsification of data and how, how tempting it is Ooh. for scientists yeah. to falsify data and how, how much they're going back and looking and realizing like, oh, wow, we have an academic problem, you know, back here. Where, where people are, are getting funding for things. And, and I just think it's interesting because it's a sin problem. You know, you, 
there is no, you can't just say, well, we're going to live in this Spock world. Yeah. We're going to just going to be purely logical. I've been rewatching some of the old Star yeah. Trek, so yeah. forgive me. We're going to be purely logical. We're not, we're not going to, you know, have emotions about this. We're just only going to look at the facts. But we're human. We, we can't divorce our emotions from ourselves. There is no Spock amongst us. Yeah. The scientist is not the purely logical person that you want him to be, the same way that the theologian isn't, the pastor isn't, the mechanic isn't. None of us are. And so we need something outside of ourselves to help us know right from wrong and, and to navigate those paths, an ancient path that's been worn over and over again, that is true, that has proven itself over and over again. Yeah. And, and that's a God path. Yeah. It's the key. Isn't that the key, what you just said, that it's proven itself, yeah. that is trustworthy? And that's yeah. how trust is built, right? Trust, trust uh, is really built on, on actions that have been tracked for a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, isn't that kind of what we do when we're approaching marriage? Uh, we mm-hmm. don't just marry the first person we meet at the party. We spend time with this person. We date this person. Yeah. We investigate this person. We ask questions mm-hmm. we, about life, about food, about children, about careers and values and all kinds of things. Yeah. I'm doing this right now. We're in the summer around here in the church world is, is wedding world, right? Yeah. So everybody's getting married. So we sit down with these couples who are young and hopefully in love and so forth, and they want to spend mm-hmm. the rest of their lives together. But they realize as we sit down and start to ask questions, there's a lot they don't know yeah. about each other. And again, that's not the end of the world, yeah. but the fact that I'm about to entrust my life to you, my future to you, I, I want it to go well. I want it to prosper. I want a marriage that's successful mm-hmm. and happy and fulfilling and a place of you know joy. I don't want, I don't, want, I don't get married to be miserable. I, no. I get married to be happy. So I think smart people, I think wise people will vet their, not vet, maybe that's not the right word, like you're trying to buy a car, but, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, isn't that, I want to know, yeah. can, my, can I trust my heart with you? Yeah. Can I trust my body with mm-hmm. you? So. Yeah, explore, examine, yeah. yeah, get to know one another. It is surprising to me sometimes when we sit down with people and do premarital, the questions they haven't yet asked. Yeah. Sometimes even if they've yeah. spent a long time together, but they've just, you know, it's nobody's fault. You just, you haven't been down the road of marriage yet, so you don't even know what you don't know. I don't know what questions I should be asking. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, the little things that pop up of, well, he, he seems to spend a little bit more money than me, but we'll figure that out. Yeah. Like, will you? Will you figure that out? Because maybe you should talk about it now. It'd be easier to talk about now than to get into marriage and realize, oh, Actually, no. There's a there's a major problem here. We don't see eye to eye on on this topic. And what that, of course, creates is um, some form of, oftentimes maybe conflict or, or disillusionment or disappointment. Like, oh, I really thought that you would have thought like me on mm-hmm. on on this subject. So yeah. again, we're kind of back to history, right? What yeah. we want to do is, uh, we're marrying a person in the present. But we're marrying into what we're going to become or what they're going to become because mm-hmm. as single people in a, in a, coming into a marriage, we're still, we're not done changing. In fact, yeah. some of the change has just, has just begun. So what do I want to know about you? I want to know mm-hmm. about your history. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what has disappointed you. I want to know what, you know, what, what brings you life. So if we, let's, let's try this. If we go back to that title of when are we, and you had to say like, okay, Imagine history is a is a chapter book, and I've got to put a chapter on this time that we're in right now. Yeah. I've got to put a title. It's not just going to be chapter fifteen. It has to have a title. What title would you give the time that we're in right now? Ooh, that's a great question, though. 
Yeah, I would say conflicted, uh, you know, conflicted times. It's kind of like, um, I think uh, if you can, if I was to put it in a, in a kind of a, a word picture, it's mm-hmm. it's the confluence of two rivers, two streams, powerful. And where they come together, there's a lot of turbulence. And I think we have that going on right now in our culture. We have streams of thought, yeah. streams of... Uh, of uh, experience, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 they're kind of coming together. And this, where we see it, like in this country right now, is perhaps like next year in an election year, mm-hmm. uh, we see this confluence of ideas, and it creates a bunch of a bunch of yeah. turbulence. But I think if we were to really, if we could slow down, and listen to each other and ask good questions, I think we would see that we have more in common than we have. You know, there's more that can unite us than than divide us. Of course, that's not the case today because yeah. the it's very polarized. Politics is polarized. Religion is polarized. Everything is everything is us or them. You with us or you're against us. My tribe yeah. or your tribe. Yeah, conflict is a good one. That makes sense. I, I I would I'd read that chapter. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to live it, but I yeah. I don't get a choice. Yeah. I overheard a couple neighbors talking the other day. Um, and they were saying like it's interesting times we live in, and yeah. one of them was saying, "Yeah, isn't that a isn't that an old curse? Like, may you live in interesting times?" Because <laughs> uh, I think I think we are in, in interesting interesting times. There's been harder times. There's been people. You can imagine 1943. Yeah. And growing up, my father was that era. Mm-hmm. I bet they said, "Yeah, we're living in interesting times," and they literally didn't mm-hmm. know. How I mean, they didn't. They don't yeah. have the. They didn't have the van, vantage point of history. They right. they literally did not know. Yeah. What's the world going to look like in yeah. five years? When you go into a world war, yeah. the, there's a possibility. Like, is this world going to end? Yeah. Is this the end of the yeah. of the world that we yeah. live in? Are we going to be on the receiving end of oppression mm-hmm. for years to come or decades yeah. to come? Yeah, uh, I'm thinking what I would. I I don't know if I have a great answer for that question if I asked myself like what would I name this chapter but I'm I'm thinking something about the self or or humanism mm-hmm. I, I think we're we're so interested in ourself and and obviously not everybody there is still a lot of faith out there there's a lot of faiths out there plural not just the Christian yeah. faith there's a lot of spiritualism mm-hmm. out there and interest in the spirituality uh, but I, I think there is it's it's coming so much from a place of self and humanistic yeah. viewpoint and what's best for me, um, that it, it, it's muddied. It's very muddied. And I think that's why I would name it conflicted, I think, because yeah. um, the data says that people are actually interested in spiritual things. Yeah. We're not, people aren't becoming totally secular in the no. sense of, I, I'm not a theist, I'm not, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, spiritual things don't interest me. Yeah. Actually, the, the rise in spiritual interest is growing, mm-hmm. but um, I think... Again, though, it's conflicted with. Mm-hmm. I've got a bunch of bad memories. There's a bunch of bad history, yeah. and the church isn't doesn't get off scot free in this. Yeah. I think we've added to that conflictedness in the sense yeah. of the church has made some big mistakes uh, and been caught in big mistakes or errors or m- m- misconducts and things. Mm-hmm. So it's added to the who do I believe and yeah. what's really true and who do I, who can I trust? Who can be trusted? Yeah. And so. Th- Unfortunately, in a, in a season like that, I think, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think there's a lot of people that have something to sell that want to take advantage of that conflictedness. Mm-hmm. Like during the pandemic, you know, stuff with certain things, if you invested in 
you know, uh, testing companies, if you had stock in uh, in yeah. uh, Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. if you had stock in people who made masks, and so you you made a significant amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, gun sales, uh, ammo, f- security systems, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in play in times of conflictedness or times of crisis. There's people that want to take advantage of that, yeah. and we have to be careful. Yeah, we kind of talked last week about um, the deconstruction movement mm-hmm. in, within Christianity, within individual Christians who are deconstructing their faith, and some of them at the end, they've all they have is rubble. They've deconstructed it completely. There's there's nothing, there's nothing left. left. And the other healthier ones that have said, oh, there's some things I need to take a critical look at with God. They're not trying to do it alone trying to do it with God and with community and have realized like, oh, I have some practices in here that aren't Christian. Uh, They're culturally Christian, but maybe they're not biblical. And and so I need to remove those. And we kind of talked about what's a load-bearing wall, what what has to stay, what can you not remove from Christianity? Because if you remove it, you don't have Christianity anymore, the resurrection being probably the main pillar. If you take the resurrection out of Christianity, you don't have Christianity anymore. It's basically up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, thinking in terms of now, what time are we in, um, it's interesting to see the questions that are being asked of the church, like, hey, and kind of in a way probing, like yeah. knocking on the wall, is there studs yeah. in here? Is this, yeah, yeah. Like, is this solid? Uh, are you guys going to love me? And then the questions from the 80s that I remember as a young person were intellectual questions about the resurrection of Jesus and the authenticity of um, the creation story and uh, you know, whether or not the, the Bible is accurate or has um, contradictions in it. I remember confronting those kind of things. But, but now the questions that are being asked, and those are still out there. But I feel like there's a lot more moral questions being asked of, is the church good? Yeah. Sure. Is, is Jesus good? Are these teachings moral or immoral, which would have blown, because it would have blown me away as a kid yeah. to be asked that question, yeah. you know, is, is the Bible's view of sexuality moral or immoral? I'd say, well, it is the paramount, you know, understanding of the moral sexual ethic. Uh, but now the culture is, is kind of knocking on that wall, say, do we have to keep that, or can we throw that out of Christianity? In the times that we live in, it doesn't make sense anymore to still have the, the biblical uh, sexual ethic that you guys are are holding to. So yeah, that... you know, using the back to the illustration of you know conflictedness or, or confluence of streams. It's mm-hmm. you know we, I've done some kayaking, not a professional, but you know you get in rough water and you have to pay attention that you don't capsize or tip over. Well, it's almost like I have this picture of God on the banks, you know, yelling, "I'll meet you at the other end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll meet you down below." You know, because. Um, He's in charge of, of, of the flow of those rivers. He's in charge yeah. of the flow of history, and he's not tipped over, but we're the ones, you know, the church or people or, or my faith, uh, uh, we're the ones. In fact, it's interesting, we even use that as a term, like, oh, that, that, that incident, that thing really tipped me over. In other words, it, mm-hmm. it capsized my life, capsized me emotionally, that disappointment. And I just think there's a lot of that out there. I think a lot of people have experienced... Uh, trauma or disappointment or something with God, with men, with institutions, and in a sense, it has tipped them over, right. and they're flailing. And uh, mm-hmm. but I think God stands at the bank saying, yeah. "I'll be here when you when you get your bearings. I'll yeah. be here when you get upright again." You know, often when we start like a sermon on Sunday, if I'm the one who's kind of praying, um, I'll pray something to the effect of, "You know, thank you for your word." 
and we want to come underneath your word today. Yeah. Like we, we want to trust your word. We want to believe your word. We want to, we want to come underneath your, your word and believe what it says and obey yeah. what it says. And I, I think that that's really, really key in, in navigating these waters. Well, what's true north? Because if I decide what's true north, then everything's up. It's up for grabs. Yeah, I, yeah. Whatever I decide is what I decide, and the individual is Lord, the individual is king. Uh, but if there is someone higher than I, someone whose authority is greater than mine, because his wisdom is greater and his power is greater and his goodness is greater, then I should be looking to that. It would be immoral for me to do anything else but in these times to ask him, when am I? Yeah. And what should I, how should I then live, would be the question from Hebrews and one that Francis Schaeffer uh, famously wrote, wrote a book about and spoke to in his generation. Uh, if you haven't paid attention to Francis Schaeffer before, I encourage you uh, to do that. He's, he was a quirky uh, philosophical right, scholar, gentleman, yeah. but he had a lot of brilliant things to say um, about his times. And we, we need that thinking today. And I think even, like, that's the beauty, this one last plug, I guess, the beauty, I, in my opinion, of, 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 of healthy Christian community, because we're not the only community in, that exists in the world. There's all kinds of other communities. I understand that. But I think what's unique about the Christian community is that if it's, if it's authentic, is it's rooted and grounded not in just the last 20 years, but it's rooted and grounded in 2,000 years yeah. of history. Some of the history was great, some of it was not so great. Mm-hmm. But And then beyond that, it's rooted and grounded in God dealing with a people, God dealing with a nation, mm-hmm. God dealing with individuals. So God has been there, like I say, on the banks. I, I, I saw the yeah. last set of rapids. I've seen this one. I've seen them all to come. I'm waiting when you when you come up I'll, uh, for air. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll I'll be there. But um, but in Christian community, yeah. you have this incredible beauty of hopefully of generational wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Church in the Hill, we have everything from three to to ninety three, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that, uh, I was just talking to somebody just this morning. They're celebrating their birthday this weekend. Ninety three years old. Been married for seventy two years. Well, wow. I'd love to interview those people. Yeah. I'd love to hear. The chapters of seventy three years. What are those? Were all those chapters wonderful, or yeah. was there some, mm-hmm. you know, was there some tension in the book in the in the story? Was there any treachery in the story? Were there surprises along the way? What were the beautiful points? What were the tough points? Right, and that's what makes for a great story, right? A great novel. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it has all the elements, but um, you know, in in the community of God, we have a, yeah. a wide range of experience and wisdom and understanding. That's a great way to understand your time. Talk to someone who's lived through other ones. Talk to somebody, yeah. For some people on the young side, this is the only time you know, and it's hard to, to really understand uh, yeah. it. How would you have any perspective? Yeah, but for someone who has lived 93 years, he's lived through a few phases of life and can yeah. share some wisdom with you. I love our, our older members because they've hung in there with us even when the culturally maybe they'd prefer hymns, for instance. Or, or yeah. you know, they, they have their preferences, but they realize, like, it's okay. Some things can change. Yeah. Some yeah. of these walls can yeah, move. Movable. Yeah, as long as they, they haven't gotten rid of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and yeah. the authority of the Bible. Still and, telling uh, the truth. Yeah, then I'm going to hang in here with these guys, and I, I just absolutely love that. Yeah, and I love the new generation that brings in fresh... Fresh creativity, fresh ideas, uh, fresh vision, fresh passion, all that. And I think that's the beauty. You know, you can marry passion with wisdom and, and learn from each other and yeah. listen to one another. And... 2,000 years ago, um, Paul said to the Ephesians, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And he said, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he was encouraging people 2,000 years ago, pay attention to when you're living and then pay attention to how you're living in those times. And don't be foolish, but, but be wise. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I had, uh, oh, probably a 30-something not too long ago say, you know, you guys in the church you just kind of talk about the same things over and yeah. over again. And I yeah. said, yeah, yeah, we kind of <laughs> do. Um, yeah. Because we want to, yeah. we're, we're talking about rhythms that mm-hmm. have, have been basically rhythms that have, people have tapped into for thousands of years now. Mm-hmm. Again, styles change or yeah. the surface stuff changes, but... That's so funny. It reminds me of like when I'm a kid and I'm like, oh, my dad's always going on about this. Yeah. You know? Because it, it's so you're like, oh, my dad just doesn't get it. All he ever talks is about is the bills or yeah. the, you know, whatever. I don't work for the power company. Yeah. And then you grow up and you're like, oh, I, I get what dad was talking about <laughs> yeah. and why he said it so many times yeah, because yeah. I wasn't listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now I'm my dad. <laughs> yeah. Do you, follow me here for a second. We'll, we'll, we'll end. But do you have, I don't remember ever seeing a picture of your guys' wedding. <laughs> you have pictures of your wedding? We do, but not very many, just a couple. We yeah. got married in a little obscure place uh, in yeah. an obscure time. We yeah. were brand new believers, and we were young in our early 20s. And Did you have a tie on? Uh, no, I don't. I, I did have like a no, suit I had, actually had a suit. Some, I don't know okay. where it came from, but uh, yeah. and my wife made her own dress. And, uh, we were far from family uh, yeah. in a new place, and uh, yeah. in, a, in a new. it was basically a new time for us. We were brand new believers, yeah. and so our wedding was super simple, yeah. uh, cake and snacks yeah. and uh yeah ours is pretty simple too we had cake and snacks yeah. and uh probably just a little bit bigger than yours but still small yeah. and my wife was in a you know white dress that she yeah. she'd bought it felt like the most money in the world back right. then i yeah, think yeah. it was 330 dollars or right, something yeah. we wasn't spent. quite the extravaganza that yeah we, we, we do today big puff sleeves if yeah. you saw them now just and i had a i had a back then guys were actually wearing tuxes uh, nobody does it anymore but right. and i had a, a black tux <laughs> with a black and white polka dot <laughs> Black and white polka dot. Were there ruffles? Bow tie, no. Oh, no Bow ruffles. tie and cummerbund. Yeah, yeah. I say that to say, like, I remember thinking, like, let's do a timeless wedding. Let's do something that won't get outdated. <laughs> and, like, just a few years later, I'm like, these look ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And so just in, in thinking of the times that you live in, like, yeah. just if you're old enough, look back at some of the things you wore yeah. in the past. And if you're willing to reevaluate some of those so fashion good. choices, yeah. maybe you should reevaluate. Maybe some other areas. Yeah, maybe there's but, some thinking you should reevaluate. Isn't it funny? People will often look at their wedding pictures and they'll say, oh, we were just kids, yeah. which is a pretty accurate mm-hmm. assessment. But at the time, no. you felt all adultish. Yeah. You know? I was totally an adult. Yeah, we're yeah. renting a limo. I'm, yeah. renting, I'm renting a tuxedo. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I drove off in a 68 Chevy Impala. Nice. Yeah, what were you driving back then? I don't remember, but it wasn't the Impala. You didn't that have your Toyota a, Stout? No, no, I don't oh, know yeah. what we did, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, folks, we're going to keep doing this for a few weeks, just yeah. looking at uh, the times we live in and taking some time to examine them. I encourage you to do that with us and, uh, yeah, follow along. Join us on Sundays. We'd be happy to, to see you there. Hope, uh, hope you're doing well. Yeah, have a great week. Enjoy yeah. summer. There's only a few weeks left. Yep, see you soon.